handle on the law. Marginal legal advice where I tell you you have absolutely no case. Uh, Alabama just passed uh, an interesting law. Governor Kay Ivey has signed a law, and that would require certain sex offenders to be chemically castrated before their parole. And there are a couple states that do this already, uh, and it's very tricky, constitutionally speaking, because uh, the entire series of cases dealing with reproduction and right to privacy, you have to really, really uh, toe the line on this one. And this measure applies to sex offenders convicted of crimes involving children younger than 13, sex crimes. Now, uh, obviously, uh, castration that is permanent, someone being gelded, for example, uh, that doesn't fly. But chemical castration involves injection of uh, medicine that blocks testosterone production, and therefore uh, the libido, the sex drive, uh, disappears. A judge would decide when the medication could be stopped. And under the measure, certain offenders receive this medication before their parole from prison to make sure that they're out there and not uh, they're, they're not uh, predators and they're not attacking little children. And uh, I assume under the measure, the uh, the man who's involved has to go back to court and have the judge order that the medicine stop. Uh, interesting. Now, the uh, representative who proposed the measure has been doing it for more than a decade. And this is Republican Representative Steve Hurst. said, I had people call me in the past when I introduced it and said, don't you think it's inhumane? And he said, what's more inhumane than when you take an infant child and sexually molest that child when the child cannot defend themselves or get away? That's inhumane. So we'll see if it uh, survives a court battle, because believe me, there will be a lawsuit here. And frankly, it makes sense to me. Uh, I would support this 100 percent. Let's take some phone calls. Hey, Scott, welcome to Handle on the Law. What can I do for you? Thanks. Well, I have an interesting one for you. I'll be the judge. My neighbors in a condo, my neighbor's hot water heater exploded and blew out the wall between us. Okay. Flooding my garage, which was packed. I'm a handyman and I do pop making and things like that. So it destroyed anything that was there pretty much. Um, It also damaged a lot of tools, things like that. So. After going around around with them and their insurance company, um, they their insurance company said that it's not their fault and all this. So I'm suing them. But then, after I did all this work and had to hire people to clean it up and everything else because I have certain disabilities, about two weeks later, it blew out again when the plumbing company used the wrong uh, temporary fittings while they ordered parts, and it flooded my garage a second time. Then, about a week later, it blew out again and flooded my garage a third time. Now, I need to know, first of all, am I able to sue them, the the neighbors, for my um, security deposit, which I lost because I couldn't do all the the repairs over and over and over again, Um, and the labor that I had to hire to help me? Yeah, of course. Those are all part of your damages. Yeah. And any okay. and any and damage I, to any of your property. So here, okay. so during, can I also sue the plumbing company for the other two? Uh, no, times? no, you sue your neighbor, and then the neighbor has to sue the plumbing company uh, because they're the ones that hired the plumbing company, and uh, so because you don't have 
Uh, well, actually, you could sue the plumbing company because they're the ones that did damage to uh, your property. Yeah, you can sue the plumbing company now. I'm trying uh, to do it under small claims. For well, the now here, so he, okay, now here is well, yeah, it is a problem. So, how much did the first time out? How much did it cost you in terms of loss about, of everything? About nine thousand. Okay, or more. All right. So between the first and the uh, and the second time, all right. After the second time it blew up, how much additional money did it cost you? The second and third time cost me about thirty-five hundred to five thousand dollars. All right, so you're out at least fifteen grand, is what you're saying, or close to it. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. All right, and are you willing to waive five thousand dollars of it and say I'll take ten? No. Then you can't sue it's in small claims court because they um, they offered to help, and then he. Instead of coming over and help like he promised, he sent me a text saying he was out partying with his friends. All right. But that's not the point, Scott. Here is yeah. the problem you have is your case is for $10,000 in small claims court. Done. Finished. Right. And are you willing to accept $10,000 uh, as full payment for your damage? And if the answer is no, then you have to go ahead and sue in regular court. I couldn't. Pick up the secondary five thousand. No, there is no, there is no sec. No, there is no secondary five thousand. Okay, it is. Because, uh, well, wait a sec. Hold on, it's a second. Wait, 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 wait. You know, yeah, you're right. It says, well, hold on a minute. It is a separate incident with different damage. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm going to argue the same. They're going to argue it's one incident. You're going to no, absolutely not. It's three different uh, breaches where three different b- damages are caused. Yeah, I'm going to argue you can you can. Uh, it's not one incident. It's not coming out of one event. It's coming out of three different events. Yeah, I would go ahead and sue, and I would think that it's it's good for ten grand a pop. Now you have to prove it. I mean, you have oh, to. That's prove- not a problem. I have receipts and everything else. And how do I um, on day labor? Do I just uh, it's. It's, it's what you paid or is your own labor? Uh, this was for what I paid. Yeah, then you just put down the receipt of what you paid. Okay. And I'm, that's it. All right. Uh, I'm thinking I'm right on that one. Uh, I may not be. But you know when he's going to find out? He's going to find out when he goes to court and they throw him out and saying you can't do that, which is what you get for calling me and getting those questions. Well, one more. Let's talk about someone else who wants uh, marginal legal advice. Hello, Patrick. Hello. Yes. Patrick, I can't understand. Patrick, can't understand a word you're saying. Something's wrong with the line. Try to be a little bit more uh, diction-oriented. Hello, Patrick? All right, so let me guess. You have a problem with your cell phone, and you want to know who to sue. Do I have that right, Patrick? Is that better? A little bit. All right, let's go for it. I think the homeless people is a problem that the whole government is unconstitutional. Oh, the whole government is unconstitutional. Fantastic. So how do you figure the entire government is unconstitutional, Patrick? You're using a, like a black... Uh, oh, God, I've uh, said a blank spot. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah, I know. Sometimes memory really comes up and bites you in the ass, doesn't it? Uh, I'm still interested in the whole government being unconstitutional. I just want to know where you're going with that one. Uh, multiple conflicts of interest. The government in, uh, has a conflict of interest? The, the police and the fire department are paid too much uh, 
The yep. government has a whole different uh, yeah. medical system. And, uh, a whole different medical system? Yeah. Okay. Thanks very much for the call. I wish it was a little bit cleaner. Unfortunately, I probably have a, you know what, as crazy as he is, uh, he's right. The entire government is unconstitutional. And uh, he's right. There is a whole different medical system with the cops and uh, the fire department because they get theirs. You don't you get to pay for yours out of pocket. They don't. This is handle on the law. And uh, welcome back to uh, KFI AM 640. More stimulating talk. Bill handle Saturday morning. And welcome to Handle on the Law, marginal legal advice when I tell you you have absolutely no case. Bob. Hello, Bob. Hi. Yes. I was sitting I was sitting at a red light waiting for the light to change, and the car behind me was hit really bad by a car behind her. So it's a three car crash. I'm the front car. Do I need an attorney? How, were you were you were were you injured? Well, pretty stiff this morning. You when know, the when did this when did this when did this happen? Yesterday afternoon All at right. four o'clock. Um do you need an attorney? This gets a uh, I don't know, because this is soft tissue that I'm gonna offer you a lot. Uh yeah. I would at least call an attorney because I think it's a wobbler because people it's a soft tissue injury and they're going to send you off. The attorney's going to send you off to a therapist and you're going to do a few weeks of therapy and then they're going to go after the uh, they're going to go after the uh, defendant. And if the attorney does send you off to a therapist, uh, say a chiropractor, you have to make sure if the case doesn't settle, the chiropractor doesn't get any money. Okay. That's really important because here's what's going to happen. So let's say you have, um, uh, okay, you have a attorney, you have a $5,000 worth of medical bills or $3,000 worth of medical bills. The case doesn't settle. The chiropractor is going to want $3,000 from you. Right. That's why you want to be a little bit careful unless you have real injuries. And that's not to and say. I have health and. I have health insurance. Yeah, you know I what? Yeah, I imagine I, I, that the insurance I, company will subrogate. Yeah, probably. I mean, I that that probably they will, but you know, I don't know if I would. I'd wait a day or two to see if uh, you know what's going to happen. And if you're just stiff, uh, then you take some ibuprofen and see if that helps. And if it doesn't, then you have a case. But you have to be very careful with. Um, well, one. One concern I really have is about my car because it's a 2008, but it was 84,000 brand new. It's only got 17,000 yeah, miles on you're, it. You're, I'm out, thinking, you're out of luck. You know, it goes to repair, and they're going to go, eh, we can or we can't do something, and then who's going to pick up that cost? Uh, whether they repair it or not? Yeah. Oh no, no. The uh, the people that hit you are going to pick up all the costs of either repairing the car or giving you another one. Don't worry about that. That one's an easy one. You are rear-ended, and it's either going to be your insurance that uh, pays you for the car if there is underinsurance, or if uh, the other guy is not insured. I mean, you're covered on that. Don't worry about that part. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, yeah. My concern was that they'd say, "Oh, well, your car's only worth twenty thousand. Well, that may be. 
Right, and right that, out of a showroom. And that may be because it doesn't matter what it's worth out of a showroom. It's what, it, it's what it's worth now. That's the whole thing. Right. What is it worth now? Was it what? What was it worth the day before the accident? That's what you're going to get. That's a good question. Yeah, no, that's exactly. Although they'll tell you, trust me, they'll tell you, and then you have to argue it because they're gonna go, they're gonna go pretty low. Except I don't know. I I was involved in, uh, and I have been involved with a few insurance companies peripherally. And uh, there are some that are really good about it. Geico is doesn't really argue. Uh, Mercury Insurance is very good uh, at saying, okay, here's the value of the car. We'll take a medium uh, blue book, med- medium Edmonds, not the highest, not the lowest. And it is pretty good. Uh, hello, uh, it's uh, Patrick. I'm sorry. Hello, Patrick. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Hi, Bill. Uh, the question I had for you is if I have a case regarding uh, I was living in the studio and uh, there was a hidden mode problem uh, that I found and the, the landlord tried to remedi- uh, remediate it, but it ended up also being the AC unit. All right. Well, uh, he did, did he fix it? Well, he remediated, but uh, I ended up having a bunch of health problems. Okay. Lab test done. Uh, how, when did he know about this? He knew it uh, when I found it. Okay, so he didn't know about it prior to that? Not prior. Okay, well, uh, you know, what kind of duty does he have to open up walls? Uh, now, obviously, when uh, you told him and he came in immediately and did something, uh, then he did what he was supposed to do. And so uh, you may just be out of luck, but... Again, uh, you know, don't don't take my word for it. Uh, go to the website. Go to handleonthelaw.com and ask someone who actually knows what he or she is doing. Uh, my guess is uh, they're going to say, mm, not really, uh, because if they don't know about it, it's this is one of those issues that I don't believe is a no-fault issue where they're responsible no matter what. So uh, go to the website. Talk to a personal injury attorney, and we'll see. Although I think that you're screwed, which is always wonderful, isn't it? Fabio. Hello, Fabio. Hey, uh, I was in a car accident at night. I have a small car parked behind a large SUV, and the guy backed in and hit my car. It didn't look too bad at the time, but later it was uh, rather more difficult. I mean, the damage was more. Anyway, the insurance company of the other guy called me. I mean, they sent a letter requiring information on Medicare. Is that the right thing to do? Uh, yeah, yeah, they have a right to, uh, yeah, to ask if you're on uh, any other type of, of medical care, if you have it already, because it's a question of a double hit. Yeah, you answer the question. Uh, that's what you do. Uh, there's no, they there's wanted no, the number and everything. Well, um, that you're on Medicare? Uh, yeah, they asked me if I'm on Medicare and they wanted the All right, and Kevin, and, and, and uh, by the way, I'm assuming, Fabio, you were injured? No, unfortunately, no. Oh, then what do you say? It doesn't matter. I'm not. Fi- you're not filing an injury uh, claim. Uh, yeah, he's going, uh, what, do you, what do you need my Medicare number? I'm not filing an injury claim. I'm filing property damage. Uh, now, if you want to ask me if my car is on Medicare, that's a different issue. <laughs> okay. Hey, also, can I prove the fact that that guy actually backed into me? Or can you? Pr- I'm sorry, proof. can you prove what? And that that got back into my car. Yeah, prove it anyway. I don't know how you prove it unless you have a witness. 
because he, he may, yeah, because he may very well say that uh, you hit him. Okay. Yeah, so, that's yeah, why you I, talk. That's why you talk to your insurance company, and uh, you see what you can do with that. Uh, because unfortunately for you, it it can be interpreted as you backed into him. Someone uh, that you hit him on a rear ender. If someone backs into you, uh, how easy is it for that person to say, "What do you mean backed into you? You hit me." That happens, unfortunately, all the time. Uh, yes, uh, Bob. Yeah, we got disconnected. Sorry. Um, so my question is, do I talk to an attorney? Because the insurance company, my own insurance company, said, you talk to an attorney, we won't talk to you anymore. Yeah, that's because you own insurance Yeah, company. then that's what, once you're represented by counsel, uh, they now have to talk to counsel. Because you're, right. being, rep- okay. because you're being represented. Yeah, go so me just calling and talking to a guy. That you can talk. Yeah, you can. What do you mean? Uh, calling and talking to whom? An attorney. No, that you have to be represented. Uh, just calling an attorney and asking advice is not being okay. represented. You actually have to Very sign good. up. You have to sign a retainer. This is handle on the law. More stimulating talk. Bill Handel here. Uh, Pleasure having you here. And this is Handel on the Law. Marginal legal advice. Uh, Hi, Kevin. Hello, Bill. Yes, sir. uh, I have a situation with, uh, I was with an agency for about seven years. I'm a physical therapist, and my primary function was to go to people's homes and provide physical therapy. The agency paid me uh, for doing the physical therapy but they wouldn't pay me for my travel time from my home to the client's home. And once I was finished with the uh, client, um, I had to come home and do the paperwork, and they refused to pay me for the time doing that paperwork. All right. Are you, uh, I, are you a 1099 employer, employee? I, I'm, I, I'm not with the agency anymore, but I was on payroll. Yes. Oh, yeah. Then they have to pay you for all of that. And how, and how, long, were, how long were you working for them uh, – before you left in other words how many years were they having you do that about eight about eight years you did that for eight years and now you're wondering well i i filed complaints with the uh employment agency for the county several times and they sent the agency letters and uh then they finally said you know what we just don't have the manpower um all right did you call did you did you did you contact the state yes okay and they're the ones that say we don't have the manpower to deal with it they said we will send a letter, but we don't have the manpower to deal with it yet. All right. Now you go to an attorney. Okay. Yeah. Even though I'm not working there anymore? It doesn't matter. We're talking about back pay. You have a statute okay. issue. You can only back three, go back three years. Okay. Or four years. It's three or four years. And you just go to an attorney uh, on this one. You want a probably an employee. I would guess employment discrimination attorney, uh, labor law. Yeah, probably labor law. And uh, I think we have uh, uh, lawyers on the website, handleonthelaw.com, who have that kind of expertise. I will do that. All right, try that. See what happens. Uh, Nothing like waiting eight years. You know, that's always uh, really smart. I've always enjoyed that. Although eight years relative to phone calls I've gotten is very little. I get calls 35 years ago. What do you mean 35 years ago? Well, that's when it happened, and I'm wondering if I can collect... Uh, everybody's dead. 
35 years ago. I, what is my record? Uh, is it? I think it's 40-something years uh, that something happened. In one, do I have a case, Bill? Oh, yeah. Yeah, no problem with the statute on that one, 42 or 45 years. Sure. Uh, hey, Nick. Uh, welcome Hello. to Handle on Law. Yes, sir. I have a leak in my house, and it, re- it required a joist uh, to be and some, some, some additional foundational work to be done under the, under the floor. I uh, couldn't get a contractor to get it done because they said it was too small of a job. They have to pull permits. I had a handyman do it, did a great job. Uh, all the work was done behind the drywall and underneath the floor. So it's not visible, the foundational work and the structural work that was done. Got a, this was three months ago. I got a card from a, um, from a uh, city inspector, called him up. He said he heard from neighbors that I had some illegal construction going on. I said that's not the case. Do I have to let that instruct in, inspector in my house? Yeah, probably. Look, you probably okay, do. But, okay, but do I have to let him go? All the work that's done, you look around the house, nothing looks Right. Changed. So here is – but, but if it's if it has to be permitted, uh, then it has to be permitted. So you are in violation of a city ordinance. Now, the other side of it is based on the fact that it meets code, they're not going to have you tear it up. So what you do is you go into the city and you get a permit and it becomes retroactive. You waive. uh, It's it's a waiver is what it is. And you tell the inspector, hey, I had no idea I needed a permit. Uh, I'm assuming the work was done to code. Hopefully it is. If it's not, guess what, Nick? You get to tear it up and get a permit. Okay, but do, do I have to let him into the underneath the house? Is yeah, of course you do. How else is he going to find out? What do I, 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 I want to inspect. No, you don't. Of course but he how has. Would a, he know to, how would he know to go under there, I guess, is my thing. He wouldn't know. He wouldn't know to go under there. There's nothing visible. Well, he's going to he's gonna ask you what work was done. And uh, well, what you, what I painted you, the whole house. I, I painted everything inside. Maybe no, no, no. Paint, or, paint is or, not a problem. And you can say all I did right. was paint the house. Right, but if he goes under, okay. if he goes under, he'll see fresh concrete. Correct. Well, no, no, it's it's all the joists. It's just wood joists. That's all it is. All right, but it's he'll see, joists. but he'll see new joists. It's fresh. Correct. Yeah. Correct. So versus the other I mean, joists, I have to, I have to let him in there, even though, like, when you look around all around the house. Yeah, you have to because visible. he. Well, see what he wants. You say what I did is just paint. The problem is if he goes under there and you've lied to him, you're screwed. I understand. Yeah, That's and so uh, what you say is, uh, well, see, the problem is. Uh, is if someone reported uh, that was a joist coming in or a big piece of wood because uh, you, you can't hide a joist in a paint can. Correct. Right? But I, I told the, the guy kept it very in the house. It wasn't a lot of work, so he did all the work. It doesn't matter. It, it doesn't matter. We're yeah. talking about whether it's permitted or not permitted. Yeah. That's the issue. Uh, you can do a, a $40,000 paint job uh, that you don't have to permit, and you can do a $500 structural change. You need a, a little bit of change on, let's say, uh, the tie-downs on the house uh, that right. ties it down to the foundation. I don't, and, and that may have to be permitted. I, I don't know. But it, it doesn't matter if it's a small amount of work or a large amount of work. If it has to be permitted, uh, then the inspector has a right to look. Okay. So you know, you tell right. him I didn't do much, and uh, and uh, if he, well, he's going to say, "Well, what did you do?" And he go, "I painted, and I did some repair work, uh, but uh, I don't think I needed a permit." And see if he goes or not. All right. All right. First, I mean, can I can I ask him what he's looking for first? I mean, just sure. 
Okay. Sure. What are you looking All for? Right. Can I help you? Yeah. Right. You, okay. Just don't Thanks, lie. Bill. Just don't lie, Nick. All right. Let's take a quick break. This is Handle on the Law. This is Handle on the Law, marginal legal advice, where I tell you you have absolutely no case. Okay, this one is out of Maine, and the reason Maine is so important here is because Maine just became the the 10th jurisdiction to legalize medically-assisted suicide. And uh, advocates are saying a lot more states uh, that are falling into place. I've never, uh, I've never understood why... Uh, people can't kill themselves and have doctors help them kill themselves. Uh, one of the things I don't understand about medicine, uh, the Hippocratic Oath says uh, harm no one. But helping someone die who is in dire straits and wants to commit suicide, is, uh, isn't that part of life? The whole point here is death is part of life. And to have doctors help you through that, which is why hospice is so important. And finally, at the end of your life, you go, come on, just please do it. You know, hit me up on the overdose of morphine. I I don't want to hurt this much anymore. I don't want to be this miserable. I don't want to waste away to 40 pounds. I don't want to live with tubes coming out of every orifice. And here's the problem with these assisted suicide. Not only... Do I believe those are moral, these right uh, to legalize medically assisted suicide, but they make it so difficult that it really doesn't do a whole lot. Not that many people can take advantage of it. Why? Because you have to, let's say California, you have to verbally tell two different doctors two weeks apart that you want to die and have a terminal illness to the point where the doctors are saying you have less than six months to live. Well, let's say you have ALS and you have a couple of years to live. You want to live that way? Trapped in your own body? Now, a lot of people do, but that's their call, isn't it? I wouldn't go there. And then the argument against legalized uh, medically assisted suicide is the philosophy that all life is sacrosanct and you can't take away life. I got news. Dying of cancer is not sacrosanct. Being in pain towards the rest of, for the rest of your life is not sacrosanct. Or if you are in immense pain, uh, being so drugged that you are completely out of it, that is not sacrosanct. And forget about the cost. Do you know how much it costs to keep someone alive the last several months, weeks, days of uh, someone's life in the hospital? It's astronomical. So... Obviously, you know where I sit on, but Maine, number 10, and um, it used to be people used to go to Oregon to die. People actually used to go to Amsterdam because uh, the Netherlands has uh, had uh, medically assisted suicide uh, legal for decades. And so people would go to um, Amsterdam, wear the wooden shoes, have some good Dutch food, have some cheese, and then have a doctor kill them. Not a bad way to go. Let's take some phone calls. Uh, hey, Victor. Good afternoon. Good morning. Yes, sir. What can I do for you? I've got a situation. Um, I, I had a cell phone. I returned it to the company, and they couldn't find it, so they charged me for it. 
and I didn't pay it, so they put me in collections. And um, I called back, and we negotiated, and, and, and they reversed everything. However, the, the company that they sent it to, they told the company that they had worked it out, and um, I have a recording of the uh, company that the, the uh, credit agent, the credit uh, bureau, well, the uh, um, company is saying that I wasn't supposed to pay. I didn't have to pay. All right. Do you, now, do you, all right, hold on, uh, Victor, do you happen to have anything in writing? From the company? Yeah, yeah, from the company, uh, the phone company that said we're reversing charges just to let you know. Do you happen to have a copy of that? No, okay. I don't. But, what uh, you have is a recording. Uh, you recorded it, correctly? Correct? I, record, I recorded the company saying that they, I didn't owe it. That, All that right, so did you, now, to- now, did you send that to the collection agency? Oh, there was an issue there. Did you send that to the collection agency? The, re- the recording? Yeah. I offered to do it, but they said they recorded a phone call. They didn't need it. All right. Uh, they didn't need they didn't need it to collect or to reverse the charges. To reverse the charges. Well, you're talking about the collect. There's two issues here. Uh, is it is it a collection agency or not? Yes. Okay. So you have a, the company that originally says you know we've reversed it. That's somebody telling yes. you that, correct? On a recording. Yes. Okay, now the collection agency, have they told the collection agency that the charges have been reversed? Yes. They have. How do you know that? Well, I talked to them on a two-way phone call. Are right, you talking to who on a two-way phone call? The uh, the the uh, cell phone company. All right, not the, the co- not the collection the agency. agency. The cell yes. phone company, somebody told you that we have told the collection agency to drop the case, correct? Well, the, the collection agency told me that's not what he said. Told you what? That the phone company said drop it. Okay, and they continue on. They're still trying yes. to collect? Yes. So you want to talk to a supervisor. I'm assuming you have the name of the person that called you from the collection agency. I did talk to a supervisor. Okay, and the supervisor said, yes, uh, we no longer are going to collect the money because uh, the phone company said you don't owe the money anymore, but we still want the money. Do I have that right? Well, they refused to take the information off my credit report. You know what? Uh, if they if they have admitted, and there's a recording of them saying, yes, we were told by this phone company that all the charges have been reversed and they won't take the... Uh, negative report, then you've got a case. Then you have a case, Victor. Uh, is that Superior Court? or? Uh, it, uh, yeah, uh, it's Superior Court. There's, there's no such thing. It's uh, No, it's not going to be small claims because what are your damages? Uh, how have you been damaged? You have a negative report. That's true. But you've got to prove, uh-huh. you've got to prove financial damages. What does it cost you so far? I, I tried to apply for a credit card, and they told me they wouldn't give me the credit card. Okay, so how, much is, how much, so how much does that cost you? What is it worth being turned down by a credit card company? I'm not sure. Exactly. And you have to be absolutely sure. So what you have to do is have that removed. It's going to take a court order to remove that ding on your credit report. A judge has to say that and not a small claims court judge either. Okay. It's going to so take, to it's, to- you have to go to a lawyer. Yeah. So I haven't been damaged, so I cannot sue for my, for monetary damage. I just don't know what your monetary damages are. I've been turned down by a credit card company. Okay? And then I asked you, how much have you been damaged by? What is that monetarily? Well, I really don't know. 
You see, the problem well, well, there has well, well. to there has to be a specific amount of damage. You can't just throw it up in the air and say, "I don't know what my damages are." I'm suing for what I, I'm suing for. I don't know how much my damages are. You see the problem? Well, ne- ne- I, I see that next month on my lease is up on my car. I've got to get a new lease, so that that might add month because of negative information. Negative well, you got to call when that when that happens. When that happens, then uh, you, you've got somewhat of an issue. Uh, your damages by not having a car, you could probably figure that out. But you want to call your car lease company, explain what's happened. You have to dispute on your credit report that you owe the money at all. A whole disputing, because uh, you, you have a right to dispute anything that's on your credit report. So you write out in the dispute, I don't owe this money. I have been told by... Uh, the phone company that I don't owe it, the collection agency has admitted that I don't owe the money, yet will not remove this report. And okay. and you report it, you also make that complaint to the uh, the credit reporting agency, too. And what okay. you do, if okay. you have if you have an audio, you share it with the credit reporting agency. Say, here it is. They say, I don't owe the money, and they still won't remove the report. I think you'll be okay on that one. All right, thanks All right. so much. Bill. You got it. That's what you get to do. Collection agencies will sometimes do that. I'm stunned that number one, they admit you don't owe the money and you're still in collections. And they won't remove the uh the day, 60 day or 90 day late on the uh, credit reporting agency, on the credit report itself. So I don't get it. None of this makes any sense. Victor's probably a flake anyway. This is handle on the law. Welcome back to uh, KFI AM 640. More simulating talk. Bill Handel here on a Saturday. This is Handle on the Law. Marginal legal advice. Hello, David. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Hey, Bill. Yes. Uh, my girlfriend and I have been together for um, probably eight years. And I just bought a house. And she's going to be living with me. And uh, I'm not going to ask her to pay anything as far as rent or anything like that because if the relationship doesn't work out um i would like to have the house still uh is she going to be able to get any part of that if well we all right split Let, up? all right let's talk about where the first of all uh where's the money coming from is it coming from savings that you have uh, uh you've put away money that you've put away from the time you've been living together well d- uh down payment um, everything was everything came from me. Okay, we that's easy. Been living in an apartment. Okay, so what do you mean from me? Is it from your work? Keep in mind that anything you earned is both of yours when you're living together because it's effectively a marriage. Now, if you oh, put boy. the property, no, hold on, hold on. If you put, if you put the property in your name, uh, and uh, the fact that she's not paying rent doesn't really matter. Uh, but I think you're pro- It's she has an argument, but I think you're going to be okay. Just, okay, just, make, just make sure you put everything in your name. She can come back and go, hey, uh, you took uh, community assets and used it to buy the house. Uh, but, you know, I don't know how often that works. But then again, I'm not an, uh, I am not a, uh, a family law attorney. And so I'd go to handleonthelaw.com uh, and just look for family law because I could have been completely wrong on that. Matter of fact, statistically, I probably was completely wrong on that. Uh, hello, John. Hey. Yes, sir. 
Yes, I am uh, purchased a house about uh, three years ago, and uh, there was an issue with the roof, apparently, because I found drip pans up there around the air conditioning unit that were supposed to quell the water. Now, when I purchased the house, it was be- coming out of the drought that we were in uh, previously. And with all the rains that we've had in the past couple of years, uh, the pans had overfill- overflowed and leaked onto my ceiling, which I had repaired. And then I had a new AC unit put in, and now the thing's leaking even worse. Well, wait a minute. So if you're talking about once you put a new uh, a new AC unit, why would there be pans? Well, there was pans initially. When I, I understand, but now, but wait a minute. I I, I understand that, but I want to go backwards for a moment. You put in a okay. brand new AC unit, and it's installed on the roof, correct? That's correct. All right, so. Uh, do they keep the pans? Uh, no, we didn't keep the pans. All right. So what you do is you have a, a an AC unit that is improperly installed. I believe I believe so. Yeah. Okay. So that but is it, one issue, and right. the fact that uh, it leaked and there was AC uh, that uh, the there were pans around the AC unit, which uh, I guess indicate that uh, the thing was defective in terms of a drainage. Uh, did you have? Did you have a, um, a not an appraiser? Did you have an inspector come out and inspect the house yes. before you bought it? Yes, the inspector came out, inspected. They had just put in some new um, insulation, so the the pans were actually covered by the insulation, so they were. Oh, so he wouldn't be able. He, all right, so he wouldn't be able to right. see it. Right. All right. Well, uh, certainly you have a cause of action against the AC company. And then the trick is to find out how much damage happened before the new air conditioning came in, the the system, and then afterwards. And is there any way to ascertain that? Uh, Well, I had to have the ceiling repaired from the water damage. Yeah. Was it after or before? Uh, Before. All right. So there is... All right, so, so there's there's, a, a, there's an argument there against the seller. Uh, unless yes, because they didn't they didn't disclose it. Also, yeah, they well, the, yeah, but the that. sellers may not have known. Right. And so, if the sellers don't know, uh, what are they supposed to do? You know, they they warrant now if they if they warrant everything, no matter what, whether we see it, whether we know about it, uh, that's that's an, that's not an easy thing to do. So, how much damage to the roof or to the ceiling? Uh, the ceiling was a thousand dollars. All right, um, fix the ceiling. All right, that's it was the bathroom area, the hallway. All right, but that so that's the only thing that you're looking at the former owners about. True. All right. Well, you can take them to small claims court for a thousand dollars, and say it was court, there. Right. Yeah, yeah. What are you gonna do for a thousand dollars? You gotta hire a lawyer. Well, what about the new AC unit? That that how much how much damage off? how much damage was caused after that then? Well then, well it was still leaking, so now there's new new damage. Okay, to the new now yeah, imagine. now you're going to have a good time saying and delineating. Okay, it was damaged up to this point, and now there's damage from there to that point. How are you going to be able to prove it? Yes, that's true. That's going to be a tough one. I do. I mean, I have photos and pictures. That's about it. And uh, then my yeah, but are they time words. are they time stamped? Um, pro- well, they're on my phone, I think. Maybe I they, think are. they are. If they're time-stamped, you can argue, look at the damage that happened before, and here is the right. damage that happened afterwards. So you got two defendants. You, right. You've got a defendant uh, uh, before the injury, 
or before the uh, before the air conditioning unit came in, and then you have it afterwards. The afterwards part is easy uh, because uh, this is an air conditioning company that should have known what it's doing. That's not a problem. Uh, it's the right. bef- it's the before that gets kind of interesting. Yeah. So uh, that's it. You go to small claims court, and I'm sure the judge uh, will hate you and just say, uh, get out of here, because that happens quite often. This is Handle on the Law. I could lie, could lie, could lie. Everything that kills me makes me feel alive. This is KFI AM 640. We're stimulating talk bill Handle Saturday morning. And welcome back to Handle on the Law. Uh, hey, Bobby, uh, you're up. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Thank you. I work as a personal assistant, and I got an email from my boss asking me to go buy him some gift cards, which I did. Turns out the email was not from my boss. I was caught up in a phishing scam, but I did not send the gift cards. I did not do anything with them. I still have them. They're intact. My bank won't help me with this. They said it's not fraud since I bought them myself. And the retailer, Walmart, where I purchase them, won't take them back. Even though I have all the receipts and the PIN numbers have not been scratched, they're all intact with their full value. Oh, they what still have full value and uh, and Walmart won't take them back? No. Okay, so how you got caught in a phishing uh, expedition there, a phishing scam, no. and you still have the, uh, the gift cards. How does that work? Because. I figured it out before I sent them to ah, the scammer. Okay. Well, I mean, they're worth money. How much money are we talking about? About $1,500. Okay. And how much does your boss, what was he going to use those gift cards for? Well, they're gaming gift cards. He had said he was going to give them out as gifts to other employees, which is why I said, okay. All right. I, and he, and he's, and he's changed his mind and he doesn't want to do that anymore? No, he never did. The, the The email I got was not from him. Oh, 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 okay. I understand. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, the good news is you have real value there. And mm-hmm. uh, then it's a question of uh, trying to, the bank isn't going to help you. I would think Walmart would help you. I would go up the uh, chain with Walmart uh, because uh, they're still, it's still real money and they wouldn't be out any money. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, so, I, you know, I don't think much of a lawsuit there. I don't think you have a case against anybody. You got caught. You, you got caught in a scam, and the only people you can sue are the scammers. Mm-hmm. And now, what you're doing is asking other people to help you out. So mm-hmm. it's a, it's a question of asking them, and uh, talk to uh, you know. I'm sure you can find uh, at Walmart the vice president in charge of phishing scams. Uh, there's someone up there that does that. <laughs> And uh, just start moving that way. Whatever you do, I would not threaten any kind of legal action because I don't think you've got anything there. So you're begging, you're whimpering, you're crying. Uh, do a lot of that. All right? That's all, that's the only place you can go. I mean, that's uh, I've done that many a time where I just beg. Actually, even when I have a decent legal case, I just beg. You know, dealing with phone companies, for example, utility companies, they, they have all the cards. Because you get into it with a phone company, you get into it with a utility company, fine. We'll just shut off your water. We'll shut off your electricity. We'll shut off your phone use. Any other questions? So you certainly have to pay, and then you come back and start arguing from the other side, uh, which, of course, you have absolutely no no way to discuss it. Same thing with debit cards. Debit cards is your money gone. Credit cards, it's their money you're talking about. I'm in the middle of uh, a scam right now where someone uh, got uh, my card was compromised and uh, p- 
$1,200 on Amazon Marketplace. And they're going through the investigation, but I haven't paid it. Hello, Susan. Hi. Hi. Yes, ma'am. I have a question. Behind my property is a very large hill, and there's a giant house at the top looming over me. And I would like to plant a hedge of trees to attempt to block their home, and they've said that I can do it. The problem is, is that the hill is their property, and I don't want to install thousands of dollars of trees. Well, then, then you need an easement. Six months later, have them right. pay. You need an easement. Oh. You need an easement. An easement? Yep, yep. You have to record an easement. And what I would do is I would get an attorney to write it up because you want this airtight because it's exactly mm-hmm. what you just said. And that is, uh, you know what? We've changed our mind. It's our property. Remove the trees or we're going to remove the trees. And if you have an easement, you can then use their property uh, according to the terms of the easement being I'm going to plant trees and they'll go so high and they're going to obscure the the view of uh, the house or my house. I mean, whatever the terms are and whatever the two of you agree to. But that's what you have to do. That's what it's called. An easement. Which. What type of attorney does uh, it? Probably a real estate attorney. You can go to handleonthelaw.com. It's a real simple one. Uh, it's those okay. are. It shouldn't cost you more than twenty, thirty thousand uh, dollars. Just kidding you. Uh, it's uh, <laughs> it's it's not very expensive. It's a real easy document to write. Wonderful. Okay. Thank you so much. You got it. Uh, hello, Jessica. Welcome. Hello. Yes, ma'am. Um, so you're, you're not a wait. wait you're not on a speaker, are you? Uh, it was. Jeez. Okay. okay. <laughs> so I'm in a master's university program, um, and I'm essentially done. I took a class last fall, and I received a B minus. And I'm being told, um, I just was told four weeks ago that I have to retake the class. Why? Um, although I know there's. Wait a sec. Why do you have to retake it? Because I received a B minus. But that's still a B, right? Yes, okay. I agree. It's a, and yeah, you, and you have to maintain a B average, correct? I or, have a three point nine nine okay. overall. Average. So you have to, you have. So wait a sec. If you get a B in a class, you have to retake it according to the master's program. A B minus. Okay, and wow. Okay, uh, now does it say B minus or does it say B uh, on uh, the whatever manual or whatever policy the school B has? B minus. It says if you get a B minus, you have to retake the class. Correct. Correct. Okay, so they're within their rights. All right. The problem is um, I know seven other students who are not being required to take it because they told me. Okay. So that's the problem. All right, well, you go to the dean uh, and you say— I have a meeting. Okay, then you go to the dean and you go, these people have received B minuses and they don't have to, they don't have to retake the class. What is going Mm -hmm. on? Uh, Because that's such a case of discrimination on its face. That's a prima facie case of discrimination. Uh, You have to retake the class, and these seven people who got the same grade don't? I'd love to see the answer to that one. I have no (laughs) idea what they're going to say. Uh, If it's true, if it's true what you're saying, and then the dean, what the dean has to do is immediately institute an investigation. Uh, Absolutely. Even if they, even if it's not believed, uh, and the dean says, oh no, that's impossible, they have to investigate. Otherwise, mm-hmm. uh, they're they're looking at a potential lawsuit. This is a master's program in a public school or private school? Um, public. 
Oh, that's even better. A master's in what? <laughs> uh, marriage family therapy. Oh, okay. So you're going to be a therapist. That's interesting. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Anyway, so the answer is real clear. Yeah. You, you, you sit down with the dean and you have a heart-to-heart. Uh-huh. So uh, part of that question is um, I recorded – so when I made the appointment um, with the dean, with uh, my program director's secretary, I told her, um, let the program director be aware that I will be recording. Why? Don't do that. Because because I have chemo brain, so I forget a lot. Then take notes. Um, but so I recorded the well, conversation. Here's the, I had it in my backpack. Is okay, that that's illegal. illegal. That's illegal. Okay. Yeah, right there. Uh, you can't do that. That's a crime. Okay. All right. So oh. uh, you can say I want to record it, but at that point, if I were the dean, I'd get up and I'd walk away. Okay. I, I don't want to be recorded. So uh, just take notes and just say, hey, do you mind if I take notes? Because I have chemo brain. And by the okay. way, uh, if I were the dean, I'd also say, boy, that's going to make you one hell of a therapist because you're not going to remember <laughs> what I said five minutes ago, are you? Well, we take notes in, in uh, seconds. See, there you are. I feel better. But yeah, Jessica, that's yeah. all you have to do. <laughs> I, am, I can't imagine what uh, the dean is going to say uh, when that allegation is made. This is Handle on the Law. This is KFI AM 640. We're stimulating talk. Bill Handel, Saturday morning. And welcome back to Handel on the Law. Hunter. Hi, Hunter. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Hello. Hello. Yes, sir. All right, Hunter. What can I do for you? I was looking for this restaurant, and they fired me. I'm sorry. You have to, I, I lost you for a moment. What happened? I was working at this restaurant. Okay. And he fired me. All right. For, for some stuff he just pulled out of his pocket one day. I worked there for three years. He worked there for a year and a half after I was already there. And he tells me I can't do the job. I violated safety rules. Okay. This I is your, wait a sec. This is your boss saying that to you? Yeah. Okay. Right. So what happened? I don't quite understand the pocket business. And, uh, I mean, well, he, um, he, he, he pulled it out of his um. Oh, his I see. He pulled it out of his rear end. Okay, for no yeah. reason. Yeah. He he made accusations. The boss made accusations against you, and then fired you. And uh, he Absolutely. just invented. Okay, uh, so what is your question? All right, all right, okay. After that, I went on and, and I called up a lawyer. And long story short, I got twenty thousand dollars. But there was a guy working there who did. I mean, he was um. How do you say it um? He 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 liked both men and women. Okay, bisexual. Did, okay, bisexual. Right. Yeah, and he and he came at me two times. All right, now okay, okay, and I reported it to the um, the manager, and then they blew it off. And then when I brought it up to the lawyer, in the beginning it was mentioned, but once we got into the middle of the um, of the procedures, and we were about to wrap it up, I said, Hey, hey, what about the issue? about the guy and then the lawyer says oh i don't remember that and i can't bring it in now because we're almost at the end right so i went uh, so i settled and now my question is finally can i go back in and get him well no are you talking about the manager no the company okay but what is what let me ask you this what does the fact that you had a manager hit up on a guy bisexual what does that have to do with your case it was harassment. Yeah, but but it's not harassment against you. 
No, yeah, no, 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 no. I must not I'll explain myself correctly. The guy came at me. Oh, you're talking about the manager came at you. No, okay, now, okay. He's not a manager, but this guy. Who came at you? Company. Another employee? Yeah, but okay. he's, one of the, he's one of the relatives. Okay, of of the I owners. understand. Okay, so uh, you're saying that that was part of uh, the lawsuit, uh, and therefore yeah. you were damaged even more. What was the basis, incidentally, of your settlement? Was it uh, just a wrongful firing? Yes, yes, and, and they totally ignored. No, I, I understand that. So uh, was it, uh, it was based just on wrongful firing? You're not a protected class, uh, ethnic, religious, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, all that, yes. Okay, so uh, that's everything they fired you for. You hit all the protected classes. And you're arguing that they didn't take into account the fact that uh, you were hit up on by the manager himself, correct? Yes. Okay, got it. Uh, yeah, I could have brought it up. You can't go back in. I mean, it's over. Uh, theoretically, all you have is a lot. Finally, I got it. All you have is a lawsuit against the lawyer for malpractice, but... You've got to prove that putting that into the mix would have increased the amount that they offered. And you settled it. So the bottom line is uh, you got no place to go. Okay? And uh, that's it. And it was just, boy, that took forever to get, wasn't it? That was uh, difficult stuff. Uh, hi, Terry. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Hi. Um, so in October, I was in Rome. And I was, I, it was my last night on my vacation. I was at a Hilton hotel. I got in the shower and the spigots to turn on the water were really stuck. So I called my husband into the bathroom and asked him to see if he could turn on the water. There was a spigot coming out from, you know, like up above and then one that sprayed water. When he turned the water on, the water sprayed and hit my feet. My feet went out from underneath me completely. I fell and I hit um, the side of the bathtub. And shattered my collarbone. Hmm. And you want to know if you have a case? Oh, you had all kinds of problems there. Well, first of all, suing someone in uh, Rome, a company in Rome, may be a little difficult. Now, theoretically, you can say, well, it's a Hilton Corporation. I can sue them there. And uh, there's a real argument because uh, Hilton really is, uh, it's a franchise, it's a management company. And the actual owner of the property is someone else, someone in Rome. Uh, But let's, let's assume, okay, let's assume we get past that. Are, are you actually saying it's their fault because water came out of a shower head and therefore you surface. slipped? Yeah, there was no, like, uh, there was no traction in the shower. There was none of the, like, a shower mat. Okay, and but. I think there must have been soap on the ground. Or, uh, you know, no, but how do you prove, how do you prove any of that? I don't know. Uh, you can't. You. No, you have to prove it. Okay. I mean, there's, uh, I mean, there's no way to prove it. And so we had not been in the room the night before, so I don't know how they cleaned the I don't, shower. You don't, or, and you don't know, but how do you prove it? How, do you say you didn't clean the shower? Do you say... You know, say that uh, they left some residual soap on the ground. Well, great, and uh, that's terrific. And when they say, no, we didn't, and you say, well, yes, you did. And then the court asks you, well, how, how do you prove they did? Well, hmm. I, I don't know, but uh, it, it could have been that way. You see the problem you have? I do see the problem. Yeah, it's one of proof. I mean, you have absolutely no place to go, not even Rome. So, no, uh-huh. there's there's absolutely nothing there. I mean, absolutely not. It happens. You know, God forbid, you, you slip, and therefore someone has to be at, at fault. And if there's no traction there, you know it. 
and that makes you even more careful. Or, God forbid, you ask for a bath mat. I mean, I've done that before with showers in uh, places, hotels, and there's no traction. They normally have one. Or I put a towel down. You know, when the towel gets wet, go figure. This is Handle on the Law. This is Handle on the Law, marginal legal advice, where I tell you, you have absolutely no case. If you're an employer and you do a drug test, and a lot of employers do testing of their prospective employees, and up it comes positive for marijuana, most people would say, that's enough. You get high, we're done. Well, considering that marijuana is now legal, in many states, recreational marijuana, Nevada has become the first state to ban employers from discriminating against workers that use marijuana. Now, obviously, you can't get high at work. I have that. You get that. But let me make the analogy to alcohol. Alcohol is, of course, legal. Why can't you drink alcohol the night before you go to work? Hey, could they could they discriminate against that? No. No. I mean, can they ask you, do you drink? Well, if you do uh, and uh, they test you and for some reason you test positive, well, they they can't fire you for that. Uh, But the reason there's no problem with alcohol, there's no test. There's no way for them to know. Alcohol leaves the body uh, as uh, it's used up by the body. It just disappears. With marijuana, you can tell for up to 30 days. And so there you are, a marijuana user, and an employer can say, I don't want anybody who gets high on their own time because it tells me something about you. Uh, uh Uh-uh. Doesn't work that way. So Nevada says, uh, nope, you cannot fire someone or fail to hire. Well, failing to hire is easy because uh, you can always come up with an excuse for that. But uh, you cannot discriminate against workers for marijuana use outside of the place of employee. Now, there are some uh, exceptions. And uh, there, for example, firefighters, emergency medical technicians, uh, the uh, requiree, those applying for jobs that require operation of a motor vehicle, uh, those are not protected by this ban. Also, jobs require federal funding. Uh, You can say no to or you can fire someone because federal funding, of course, federal law says uh, marijuana is illegal. But you're going to see more and more of these cases where the use of of recreational marijuana is going to be like the use of alcohol. You can drink alcohol. uh, Now, open container, we don't have that law with marijuana. Uh, You can do that with alcohol, obviously. So maybe it has to be, laws will be passed that say marijuana has to be in sealed containers, like a little Tupperware thing that's sealed, as opposed to just hanging out there in a baggie. All right, let's go ahead and take some phone calls. Hey, Mike, welcome to Handle on the Law. Good morning, Bill. Yes, sir. Bill, I have a question on a trust. Now, it's in Ohio, but uh, we're in the process of selling some property on it. But we have a $100,000 life insurance policy that's going to be coming to it shortly. Now, when that policy comes in or when that money comes in, can that money be taken and divided among the beneficiaries right away okay, or is there a amount of time? All right. So the trust is the beneficiary of the life insurance policy, correct? One of them, yes. And then the rest is property. Okay. So uh, let's just talk about that $100,000 uh, 
the life insurance policy when it kicks in. Okay. What are the terms right. of the trust? Well, first of all, who's the trustee? That'll be my sister. Okay. So what are the terms of the trust? Is there any limitation that she has to hold on to whatever property for any given amount of time? No. Okay. What are the liabilities? What are the liabilities of uh, the trust doors? As of now, nothing. Uh, we have a small income coming in from one of the properties, which is suffice to pay any, okay. is, any of the bills. So but there everything's is, paid for. Okay. Then she can do whatever she wants. She can distribute. Uh, that's fine. Hundred thousand dollars goes in. She writes a check. There's no limitation to it. At okay. All. Yeah, because she's been talking to other people, but she really hasn't talked to an attorney yet on how. I don't how think to do I it. think she can write the check. I think she can write the checks out, uh, especially if there's no bills yeah. to pay. Uh, if there are no bills no, to pay no. and there's no taxes to pay, you're fine. And there is no tax on, uh, I think, life insurance. I don't believe oh, okay, that there's good. a tax, so I think you're fine. You want to talk to a tax attorney, certainly, or a tax provider, but an accountant. But I don't think that's uh, a problem uh, at all. Uh, hello, Joe. Uh, welcome to Handle on the Law. Good morning. How are you doing? Yes, sir. I'm sorry. Hey, um, my bank, in an effort to pay off my home mortgage, I set a large principal payment. And in, in between, I also changed insurance companies. There came a shortage in my escrow account. They took that principal payment and started picking it apart, um, applying it to the escrow account and to future taxes. Oh, I, I, for future taxes? Okay. Uh, I'm a little confused here. So uh, as of th- as of right now, you're paying the tax on your own, right? Property tax. It, it's in an escrow account. Comes out through the bank. Okay, so you so part of your payment includes the interest. When you write a mortgage payment, that's inclusive of uh, the property tax. Do I have that right? You are correct. Okay, so uh, you switched companies, and there's a, another mortgage company that picked up. Uh, no, I'm sorry, I switched. um, insurance companies oh and it created a shortage in the escrow account all right that's mid mid midstream uh, okay between the year all right um and so we my wife and i had agreed to pay off that escrow shortage but into in between i sent this large principal payment that was supposed to be applied oh all right and was that in writing by the way does it say this goes to principal we did it as a over-the-phone transfer. Okay, so here's what you, I get it. So here's what you get to do. You get to call, uh, you get to call the mortgage company and uh, say, or the insurance company, probably the mortgage company, and say this was to go to, supposed to go to principal. You guys screwed up. Yeah, we, we've done all that, Bill. And what are they saying? No? You, you messed up by not telling us specifically. There were, it was, it's a mess at the bank. And I'm just wondering if there's any recourse. I oh, yeah, at, you I go, uh, yeah, sure. How much are we talking about? How much did you spend that's going to interest and not to principal? Two or $300 is taken out just for interest. For Over how? Uh, over what period of time? How long was this going on? Oh, this just happened this last Oh, all right. So if you change it and say, uh, are they, they've applied all of that money to uh, to interest. How much money are we talking about? No, they didn't. They only applied like $2,000 toward the interest. And how much did you owe on the interest? How much did you owe? What was your payment? My payment was $1,000. All right. So they took took two months 
of uh, a payment, of interest payments, and uh, they applied it where it should have gone to principal. And now they're telling you to go pound sand? No, they're just I'm, they're just giving me a hard time. Oh, just keep on just keep on dealing with them. At this point, you don't want to threaten anything. Just say, come on, and just you have to work it through. Uh, that's it. You're going to be on the phone for them for with them for a while. And uh, exactly the argument you said, come on, really? Uh, I mean, do we have to end? What are you guys doing? And in the end, do you end up going to court? Yeah, you sue them in small claims court, but then you have look at all of the language in that mortgage agreement that you signed, right? In the purchase agreement where money goes towards the mortgage, uh, to the mortgage company and any payment will be made to interest if not clearly indicated on your uh, on your payment uh, on your uh, what do you call it coupon and I here's what happens uh, and I don't I pay property taxes separately but uh, on my payment slip that I pay every month it's real clear there is a here's the amount of mortgage great uh, any additional to principal no uh, and um, any additional to interest no. And so the amount is still the same. They make it really clear. And in your case, they didn't. So I would just start screaming. You're way, way premature on doing anything, anything legally whatsoever. This is Handle on the Law. 